honestly, I never remember feeling comforted by religion as a child. I was raised in religion, and when I look back to how I really felt as a child, I never felt comforted. I remember sitting on the toilet. This is real. I would sit on the toilet, and I would imagine the afterlife, and all I could ever really imagine was floating in darkness in outer space. Even though people would try to explain to me what heaven is and all that stuff, but I could never, I was scared. I just could never really wrap my head around any of it. I was, I was scared of the afterlife. And then I also think about how there has to be like a jungle boy born in the jungle, like Tarzan, that God, you know, his destiny is just being birthed in the middle of the jungle and he never hears of Jesus or the Bible in his whole life. Would God send him to hell because he never heard of Jesus in his life? That has to happen in India, you know, in China, all these places around the world, all these babies that are born and never hear of the Bible. Just because that's their life, does God send them, send them to hell? I always had these questions and I never got answers because I don't know if adults can even answer that, but the answers that I got were, you don't question your faith. And it's because they don't know the answer, but they just told me not to question, but you know what? I came out of the womb questioning. I came out of the womb saying, why, why, why? That's what my mom always says is, I have a, I have a question for everything. That's truly who I am. I'm not trying to offend anyone by questioning anything. People are going to be offended by something I say in this podcast, but that's not my intention. My intention always is just to help people and to help people not feel alone. So I can't stay silent and just, you know, not share my story when I know some people are interested in it. I can't be silent and not share my story just because someone might be offended or I'm going to trigger someone because that's just a fact of life. Like we will, we will offend people and we will trigger people no matter what we do, no matter what we do. So as a child, I never felt comforted by the religion I was raised in. And another way of saying this was I never felt safe. I never felt safe in it. I was afraid to die. I was afraid of the afterlife. I was afraid of God for so many reasons, for the punishing aspects of God. So basically, I just never felt safe with religion. And if we don't feel safe, then we seek other answers for that safety. We want to feel better. We want to feel safe in this world. And that happened for me after my dad died. So immediately when... He died a few days later. Someone gave my family a near-death experience book. And I had not known anything about near-death experiences until I read this book. And immediately, this book gave me comfort and peace. It was a woman who died, experienced heaven, and then came back to life, to earth. And she experienced heaven in, you know, the most magical, magical, magical way. And I craved that information that was the first time in my whole life i felt so much peace with death and the afterlife and my dad's death brought this peace to me because when someone close to you dies 
you are desperate for any information that gives you any sort of comfort, peace, relief. You are desperate to hear of your deceased loved one, see in a dream. There's this desperation that comes over you. The week my dad died, I had a dream of him. We were in a grocery store and he was just kind of in the background. Like he was kind of being like a lurker, like a stalker. But just watching me from afar, I remember every detail of him, his really, really blue eyes. He was so real. He was so alive. And he just watched me from afar in that grocery store. And the dream was so reassuring and peaceful. And it was an escape. When you're deep in grief, sleep is an escape. The minute you wake up to reality, everything comes crashing down. So having a dream like this was, it kind of felt like medicine or like a drug because it provided me the relief and comfort I needed in that first week of his death. So then having that vivid dream and then, oh my gosh, okay, cycling back to a few months, maybe eight months prior to my dad's death, my mom and I on the same night had a dream that my dad died. I remember being in the hallway of our childhood home and my mom and I telling each other that we had this dream of our dad dying. And we, I remember us both being like, no, no. And we felt something so, it was so scary. And we just tried to brush it off because you don't have control. You don't have control over when someone dies. But since then, of course, I've had many dreams of people dying and it hasn't come true. But for me, I just think the really kooky part of it was that my mom and I, my mom and I dreamt it on the same night. So then our mind started really opening and we started putting puzzle pieces together and being like, what are dreams? Are we really connected to our deceased loved ones in our dreams? What are dreams? What are the purpose of dreams? Are dreams real? Because once you have a dream of a deceased loved one that you know is real, you don't question that anymore. You know what you felt. That feeling is when you know something's real. Our feeling body is our barometer of what is real and what's not. So when you have a dream of someone that died and and they come back to you and they're alive and it's and it's so comforting and so peaceful, you know it's a message. So then this opened up a whole new world to my mom and I and my family. But my mom and I felt like we were the ones having dreams for some reason. And of course, my mom has her own story because she was having her own mystical experiences, which were opening her mind. But um, like, I'm not going to speak for her. This is, this is my story. So then we realized a month or two before my dad died, he called us from work and said, turn on the TV, watch this John Edwards medium show. And John Edwards is a medium. He delivers messages from people that die to their loved ones that are alive. And my dad was a little woo-woo. He called us from work and said, watch this show. It's so cool. And... We're like, do you remember that? Was this him giving us breadcrumbs to follow? And it was like warning signs of our soul being shaken awake. 
we were feeling like we were getting so many answers to questions we have had, but then even more questions started. You know, like, where was my dad? Was he communicating with me? You know, does, is he in heaven? Or I remember being told, souls sleep in their grave until judgment day and being so confused by that. So I just remember religion giving me answers and conflicting answers that didn't give me peace. And this all happened because my dad died. So then my brain started being like, did my dad die to open our minds? To break all these illusions that we've been living in? And I honestly still maintain that position. I'm living such a different life. My whole family's living such a different life than when we were, when my dad was alive. And I fully, firmly believe in the depth of my heart and soul that he died to open our mind to this whole other world that we were clueless about. Then I started learning about guardian angels and how we all have guardian angels and they're only here to help us and support us. And then I remember telling my religious friends about guardian angels and they really shut me down. And I remember being so confused. How, how can you read a Bible that says stories about angels? The whole Bible is riddled in stories of angels and then deny it in real life. Nothing ever made sense to me. I feel, I, my whole life, I've always felt like this person who, you know, asks these questions and then gets an answer that makes me 10 times more confused, 10 times more in the dark, because I was trying to search for answers outside of myself. I was trying to search for answers in books and in people that, that don't have a higher authority than me. But that's what we learn as children is to always look to the authority figure, do what they say. And when we constantly seek answers outside of ourselves, that's when we lose the connection. We stop listening to ourselves. We cut off the hotline to our intuition, to our soul, to God, to the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. When we constantly seek answers outside of us, we are slowly, every single time, losing the connection with our own soul. So then is it any wonder that we're roaming around as adults, not knowing who we are and what we believe and being so confused? Because we've cut off this communication with our own soul our whole life. Because religion and all these things tell us, just to do and listen to what this authority figure, like a minister, a priest tells us or what the Bible says. So is it any wonder when someone is confused about their life or the direction that they want to go in, says, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right answer is. You don't have practice in going inward. You've only ever sought answers outside of yourself. That's the only practice we have. I truly believe if we are children of the divine, We have everything within us. And the only thing we're missing is tapping in and strengthening that communication with our soul that we do not learn in childhood, which is actually punished in childhood. There's this man that has this quote that says, 
when we when you think about how most people are raised as children, most of the time we get punished for doing what we wanted, things that we desired from our own intuition and desires. Most of the time we're praised by doing what the authority figure wants us to do. This is very, very, very deep conditioning to look to others, teachers, parents, authorities to tell us how to live our lives. What feels best to us is bad, so we can't trust our feelings. No one was really interested in our thoughts and perspectives as children anyways, because there were predefined right answers to things. And we got praised when we got them right. And we got in trouble when we didn't know the predefined answers. This is a system that is self-terminating. It terminates the individual self. So this is how then people find themselves in jobs they don't feel good about. But they don't trust their own inner feelings. They don't believe in themselves enough to do something about it. So then they numb out. They numb out with alcohol, with TV, with social media. I'm just trying to say that there are so many systems that try to teach us to just do what the authority figure says and wants of you and stop questioning and cut off your inner feelings, cut off your intuition. This is why so so many of us are trying to repair it now, later in life. So then in high school, college, I started just kind of reading more books, I guess. Um, Wayne Dyer, he's someone I so resonated with. He's a spiritual teacher of sorts. I mean, you could probably call him a life coach, but he has um, so many books. One of his quotes is, with everything that has happened to you, you can either feel sorry for yourself or treat what has happened to you as a gift. Everything is either an opportunity to grow or an obstacle to keep you from growing. You get to choose. So basically, Wayne Dyer taught me this empowerment energy, what I have control over, what I don't have control over. He really was like my base one level learning of all of these concepts that I talk about now. I feel like what I really learned from Wayne Dyer, which was the most life-changing, was understanding that I am an extension of God. He has this quote that says, an apple split into a million pieces is still an apple. We were created from the creator. So we cannot be different than which we come from. We were made by God. So we have God within every single one of us. I remember clearly hearing that quote for the first time. I was in a car driving with a friend on a road trip and all of these quotes and all of these concepts were life-changing because it was my soul drinking in this knowledge that has never, it has never heard before. This is why I believe anytime we're ready for expansion, for our mind to be opened, that information will plop onto our journey. We don't really have to seek. If our soul wants that expansion, we will come across it so easily and effortlessly. Sometimes I feel like people are just going to be confused at some of the information I give because I'm like, we have all the answers inside of us. And then I'm saying, Wayne Dyer, you know, spoke to my soul. It's because we need to relearn. I relearned all of these concepts from Wayne Dyer, from watching The Secret from reading and getting into Abraham Hicks. There's all of these, these books and this knowledge 
that kind of sets your soul on fire because you know it's speaking to you. But eventually, and this is where I'm at now, is I know exactly where to go for an answer. I ask my intuition. The books serve a purpose for a part of the journey, but eventually, you know, I love reading some books now to get inspired and just remind myself of things, but I don't need books, not at all, because I sit down and I write to God or I write to my intuition. I do that inspired writing where I ask a question and eventually the universe answers me in the most wise, funny, uplifting, most peaceful way. Any answer I seek truly comes from within me now, but that took a decade. And that doesn't mean it might take a decade for you. It might take a month for you. We're all on a different journey. We all have different timelines. Then when I was around 21, 22 years old, I took this spiritual class where I think it was just teaching, you know, how to tap into your intuition even more and live from your soul even more. I had this moment during this class where all of this music was playing and I felt like I came home to my soul. Like my soul and I reunited for the first time of my life or something like that. It's so hard to explain because it's, you know, my personal experience, my feelings, my body. It was one of the most impactful moments of my whole life. The biggest word I have for it is just, I felt like I was home. It was so beautiful. And I remember seeing Jesus in this vision and like he welcomed me home. And I was pretty confused by that because at this point I didn't really feel connected to Jesus. So I was just like, huh, is he my master? Because in this practice we were supposed to meet our master and he was my master. So after this class, it kind of lit a fire under my butt to kind of learn more about Jesus. And my fascination kind of started with him. I've never, I never really felt any sort of fascination or obsession with Jesus prior to this. So this ignited it in me. And no, this doesn't mean I just turned Christian. <laughs> and some of you are probably like, oh, that was, that was Jesus trying to make you become Christian. No, he's a master. He is a master. He was here to show us exactly how to live, to love God and to love your neighbor. Those were his his two commandments. How many of us can live by his two commandments? Yes, he is inspirational. Because he had righteous anger. He flipped the tables on the capitalists in the temple. Because the capitalists were taking advantage of all the poor people. Jesus fought for the poor. This is truly who I aspire to be. And I don't tie this to religion. Jesus was not Christian. I don't think I need to be Christian to be a student of Jesus. I know this just sounds weird to some people, but this is my truth that has taken me years to discover. It is truly what gives me peace and comfort within my heart and my soul. I think it's so foolish to 
give birth to babies and just automatically assume that they will be comforted and feel safe by the religion or spiritual beliefs that you cling to because you're not having any respect for the the uniqueness of their soul. Every soul has different passions, interests, and different beliefs. That's what makes us different. So I have to take my own advice when I have kids. I'm going to teach them in the way that I believe, but their soul is probably going to choose something different because their soul is different than my soul. All I have to do is encourage them to figure out what feels right in their soul. That's truly what I feel like my job is going to be, is to help them nurture that connection to their inner intuition, their inner soul. Instead of telling them what to believe, this is who Jesus was, or this is what happens in the afterlife, just trying to teach them and coach them how to keep that communication to God intact I that's all a child needs that's all an adult needs because if we don't learn that we're lost we're lost as adults so I've been spending my past 10 years seeking this relearning and this coming home back to who I really am my soul and it's amazing. It's so amazing. Every, I have so many lessons. I don't even know where to begin. Right now, my fascination is bridging re- religion concepts and spiritual concepts together. Like during the pandemic, I really, Jesus has this quote that says to be in the world, but not of it. And during the pandemic, I really understood what that meant. In the religion I grew up in, they communicated and translated that as don't wear makeup, don't pierce your ears, don't go to movie theaters, don't go to dances. It was all these vanity rules. And none of that ever made sense to me. But then during this pandemic, I understood this quote. To me, it means the world can be spiraling in fear and you're in the world, but you don't need to be in the spiral of fear. You can be in the world, but not consumed by the fear that everyone else is consumed with. I think this is the truth of that saying, but that's what's funny about the Bible. You can read one sentence and every single 7 billion of us souls can translate it differently. Is there one truth? I don't believe so. I also love reading about and thinking about Mary Magdalene and Jesus because I really think Mary Magdalene was reduced to a prostitute for a reason. Clearly, women were not respected during that era. That's why there's no female Bible writers. Did they completely forget this one species of human? No. I think they were purposely silenced because that is the history of women. Smear campaign, silencing, If you're really going to be honest with the Bible, you have to face some of these facts. Okay, maybe you don't have to. Maybe I just like facing these facts and you don't ever have to face these facts. I'm truly not here to change you. I'm just here to kind of explain my brain and my journey. I am not here to change you. So after this decade of kind of relearning and coming home to my soul, 
I feel like I'm the most content, the most peaceful I've ever been. And it's mainly because I feel like I can tap in to God, like the unconditional love of God whenever I want. I feel like that stream of love is so present and so constant in my life. That is something I do almost every day. I put on this music that I know opens my heart and I just cry and I cry because I feel like I am home, like I know source energy. This is a feeling that I think we are all seeking, like this high. I think we seek it in drugs. I think we seek it with food. This is truly the high that we seek in our lives. And the original high is this God high. It's having a communion back with your original source, your soul, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever you call it. I think this is the original high. And it's available to all of us at any moment. But you know what's easier? Drugs, alcohol, food, movies. These are all false gods. False gods are not these other men in the sky. False gods are anything you worship 10 times more than your own soul or creator or Holy Spirit, whatever. It's food, sex, alcohol, drugs, social media, your body, your looks. All of these are false gods. And this is what we're up against living this life on this earth is who are we going to worship and what are we going to worship? And are those false gods really giving us sustained happiness, joy, bliss, peace, contentment? No, because they are short-term fixes. They are distractions. They are false gods. There is no substitute for your own soul, God, your creator, who you really are. That is what we are all seeking for, this coming home to who we really are. I believe this is exactly what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God is within you. This is also why I believe that heaven and hell are states within the mind here on earth. They aren't faraway places. We can create a prison of hell if we choose to. And we all know, we've seen people who create prisons for themselves, who create hell on earth. Or we have the power to create heaven on earth. These are states of mind. This is our free will. Do we want to look out into the world and see everything wrong? Or do we want to look out into the world and see how everyone is just doing their best? And how many miracles actually happen on a daily basis that we just shrug off. This is what children are here to teach us adults. If you spend a day with a child, they will show you all the miracles of life. All the little ants and all the little bees. Every little flower when you're walking. They will show you how to watch clouds and be amazed by these 
big white puffy things in the air that when you actually look at them, they're amazing. This is what children are here to teach us. They bring us back to the present moment. They show us everything right in this world. This is their purpose. My goal in life right now is to be more childlike. My goal in life is to strive to be more like a child every single day. Walk slower. Observe everything. Don't let anything pass by me without bringing some wonder to it. Ask why. Why? Like a toddler. They find joy from a cardboard box. They don't need money. You know, money isn't their false god. Children truly do not have false gods. They are sitting in the present moment, finding joy in every single moment. I truly believe we are children's students. They are the masters. I love that Jesus always said to be more childlike. Believe like a child, that simplicity, that wonder. And so my spiritual journey basically loops back to almost every core teaching Jesus had, I would say. That's why he is a master. He loved everyone. He had righteous anger when people were being abused and taken advantage of. He knew the kingdom of God was within us already. It's not outside of us. He knew children were our teachers. But I know there's so much documentation on him in the Bible, but I truly believe there's a lot that wasn't documented with like Mary Magdalene and the voice of the feminine. Where is the voice of the feminine? Why was it silenced? What happened? Because I look at the females in my life, we are the storytellers. We're the ones getting our families documented by photographers. We're the ones writing these stories and taking these pictures. So what happened 2000 years ago? Why were women and their perspectives and their opinions and their voices silenced? Their voice is important. I am also seeking that reunification of the feminine energy that has been forgotten and silenced and shut down for 2000 years or more, thousands of years. I truly believe that the turmoil on earth is because of unhealthy masculine energy and the silencing of feminine energy. Feminine energy has gotten a bad rap, like it's weak. And we just need balance, true yin and yang, darkness and lightness. There is such good qualities and attributes to masculine energy and there are to feminine energy. I feel like I've always had more masculine energy in me throughout my whole life. I, I'm not deeply emotional and empathetic. I'm very, I'm very protective and that's a very masculine quality. So then as a more masculine energy, for me to truly evolve and grow, I have been anchoring my feminine energy. And you know what that is? It's trusting my inner instincts. 
It's walking a mile in other people's shoes. It's having this deep empathy and compassion for people. Less judging, more compassion. That's feminine energy. I'm finally getting this true balance. The yin yang, you know, darkness, lightness. We all have masculine and feminine within us. I'm finally reaching my balance. This is how I'm feeling so much more complete and peaceful and stable. I'm also learning within the feminine energy, there's a maiden energy and a mother energy, wise woman, mother energy, which has nothing to do with children. It's, it's an energy that, you know, we're all in maiden in our 20s. Maiden doesn't really know who she is yet. She seeks external validation. She asks for permission. She doesn't know how to advocate for herself. She's kind of a people pleaser. We all have this maiden energy in our 20s. And what happens is sometimes women birth actual children. And if they're stuck in their maiden, this is when motherhood is not fun. And they're suffering because they haven't anchored in their intuition, their wise woman energy. This energy shift in feminine energy from maiden to mother is a crucial, crucial moment in our lives. And we can switch from maiden to mother with or without children. A lot of times children are the initiation. But for me, I didn't need a child. I've gone through this transformation before having a child. And the mother energy, she advocates for herself and others. The mother knows who she is. She does not seek external validation and advice. She knows who she is. She doesn't ask permission. She tells you what she's going to do. She follows her own intuition. The maiden energy is basically immature feminine energy. And the mother energy is mature feminine energy. And it all serves such a perfect purpose. The maiden serves a purpose. And then transitioning into mother energy serves another purpose. Being in mother energy That is stepping into your powerful, creative life force energy. Maidens just want to be liked and they just want to please. But mothers are in their power. They are mighty. They are sacred. In mother energy, you own your power. You advocate for yourself and your children and all the children of the world. You know who you are. You are no longer in maiden where you just need to be pretty, polite, and pleasing. This is all information from the Instagram, The Mother Spirit, from Sarah Durnham Wilson. This is not my information, but it's so important. I think this is why so many women suffer in midlife because they are still operating in maiden when it no longer serves them. They're ready to step into mother energy and know who they are and know their looks doesn't define their worth like in maiden. In the mother, their wisdom is everything. Birth and labor is also a huge initiation process for women. They are being asked to step out of maiden and into mother energy to trust their body, trust themselves, Seek the wisdom within them. Stop asking for permission and advice 
from outside of yourself, from doctors, from Google, from whatever. Birth is an initiation process into mother energy because it's an opportunity for the female to rebirth herself, leaning into her power, her intuition, and her strength. As you can tell, this is all stuff I am so passionate about. Some of it I didn't even think I would talk about in this episode, but this episode is about my spiritual journey. And this feminine energy, this mother to maiden energy, this is all a part of what I've been going through. This is my past year or two because we're always shifting. We're always transforming. The maiden to mother energy is something that has been so critical in my journey. And I feel like a lot of women respond to this information because, again, we're just all desperate to feel better and to feel more in our skin and to get to know ourselves even more and to feel at home with ourselves. This is what the spiritual journey does. It shakes you. It awakens you. It opens your mind. That's what it's here to do because we are a spiritual being having a human experience. 